Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne. I'm joined here by John Brazier, my good buddy, pal, and director of Fun and Games. How you doing, John? I'm doing great, Tom. You know, John, you're, you're, a, uh, you're a gamer. Um, I, I, I'm really impressed that you're here for our podcast today because we thought you uh, weren't going to make it this week. You, you know, a fractured shoulder or you had something going on. Well, the funny thing is, I uh, all my life, since I was five, six years old, played ice hockey, played lacrosse, had two older brothers, so I got beat up a lot there. All those times, not one injury, for the most part. And I go down to our pregame show, I bring up an umpire uh, to see Rob Brooks, our producer right here, and I sit down in the chair, and as the ump- when the umpire has finished the interview, I get up from the chair, and I, <laughs> I check the shelf that's above me that holds all the bobblehead dolls, and... I thought I, I literally went to, uh, two days later, it was getting so bad, I went to urgent care, thought I had a fractured shoulder. They told me I had a fractured shoulder. I was like, how am I going to explain this one to people? With you know, an arm sling, my summer shot, no golf. But good news is it's a bad, bad bone bruise on the AC joint. So are you saying it was a rogue bobblehead doll that uh, well, caused your shoulder injury? Is let me just tell you. Is there a manly way to describe well, that? Or? No, there's no manly way to describe it, but Angela Cataldi bobblehead doll was on top of that. <laughs> and as we all know, he is the black cloud. And so I am blaming Angela Cataldi and Cindy Webster from WIP, whose idea was to put the shelves up there. <laughs> well, I don't, John, I'm still going to give you the Sean Couturier Award for gutting it out, you know, after his hat. Just just like, just like Sean Couturier. Just, just like him. Five points on an MCL injury. We Unbelievable. Well, John, guess what? Very, very excited today. Uh, as you know, we've been talking about the Fanatic birthday. It's coming up. Uh, can't believe it. Uh, it's one of the best days of the year. I heard one of the best descriptions of the Fanatic birthday is uh, I heard a fan say, I went to a baseball game and a Muppet show broke out. It's a great way to describe what happens every year at the Fanatic birthday. And uh, what better way to celebrate the Fanatics' upcoming birthday is to have uh, the guy who was the original best friend of the Fanatic. And by the way, we might have a hard time staying in the best friend mode uh, with this next guest, uh, but we're going to well, have you know, It's going to be harder for me because I'm going to have a <laughs> no. former best friend and a current best friend. We, we might have all the kids, you know, 14 years and younger turn off their uh, <laughs> podcast now because we might be, uh, you know, 
rolling up the curtain a little bit and taking a peek behind the curtain. But do you know, John, 40 years ago today, April 25th, 1978. Today. Literally today. today. Literally today. The Fanatic made his debut in Philadelphia. Flew in from the Galapagos Islands. Well, he's a flightless bird, John. Come on. Get with the picture. Was he on an airplane? (laughs) Well, that part of the mystery. We don't know how he got here. He does not like water either. We know that. He (laughs) sinks right to the bottom. But anyway, listen, John, 1978, it could have been a big flop. You know, Philadelphia, hard Philadelphia sports fans, you know, how's this thing going to go over? It was not a big flop. It was a sensation right from the beginning. And um, the guy who made that all happen is with us today, Dave Raymond. How are you, Dave? It's great to have you here. And you didn't give my title. I'm I'm emperor of fun and games. We <laughs> always want to make sure that with the directors here so we know that. Well, we can we get that story out of the way? Well, but before you do that, I just want to, listen, I'm a professional. Uh, you know, I know that we're best friends of the Fanatic. Okay, all the kids can listen. All right? So okay. just give me a little credit. <laughs> I, I think my first question for you is going to totally blow that well, one out of the water. Don't, don't okay. even get into the question yet because I've got, a, I've got a bone to pick now that I have a public forum with Dave Raymond. About, uh, I'm going to say 10 to 15 years ago, somewhere in that range, Dave showed up to do a presentation to the Phillies marketing team, right? So he shows up. And he hands his cards out. And I look at the card, and it says, Emperor Fun and Games. He took my title, Director of Fun and Games, and he not only upped it, but you can't go any higher unless you're talking divinity. And you can't, you can't do that. So I can't. Well, well, exactly. That's the whole point. I stole your title. I realized, okay, I, I, I got to figure out a way so John can't have any comeback. So I'm, I'm the emperor. It's, you can't, well, you can't it's Trump's Checkmate, you win, game over. There you have it. And that's why you are so who just you are. Note, note to everybody out there, if you're going to steal something, just make sure you have a backup plan that <laughs> can prove that no one can get you in jail because right. it's... You know, you're the boss. Exactly. All right. So we have the Empire of Fun and Games here. He is here. And, you know, it's pretty cool that you are here on April 25th. And I guess you've probably been asked this before, but did you ever think that 40 years ago when you, uh, I was going to say, you know, something about a cop, but when you saw that fanatic for the first time uh, and you were on the field, uh, did you ever think 40 years later we'd be talking about what an impact that he's had, not only in Philadelphia, but really kind of the whole industry of of mascots and the whole, uh, you know, sports entertainment industry? There's no possible way, especially, you know, I got a job as an intern raising my hand because I wanted to make sure I had a job. So when they told me this, I just said, yeah, sure. I'm getting paid to go to the games, uh, you know, and I'm and that's what I was doing anyway. After my day, you know, hours as an intern, I just stayed for the games. It's amazing. And I really think it all drills down to something that if you've worked with the Phillies for your whole career, you don't recognize how special it is here in terms of the organization. It was really the way they stewarded all of the crazy ideas, you know, from kite man to bed races for the, you know, for college night, whatever it is, the ostrich races. It, they they treat it, you know, we call it serious fun. They they treat it like it's important, it's impactful, and they steward it. And that's what they did with the fanatic, and and then and they continue to do it. I mean, he's he's the living, breathing entity. That's the. That's the Phillies. Well, that's a very nice answer, Dave. And that's 40 years of retrospect just coming at us. I mean, you had this great, uh, you know, you can put it in perspective. But 40 years ago, they're giving you this thing. And how nervous were you? And did you think you were going to get lynched? (laughs) Well, and how did you you get the thing? All I did, honest to God, it was about being, and this is why they invited me to do it. Because I was, I always say I was, I was stupid enough to say yes to this. I was a, a low man in the totem pole. I was an intern. I, I was only there for two seasons, and I thought I wasn't going to have a job back. And and they really called me at my fraternity house at Delaware and said, "Look, we want you to go to New York, get fitted for this costume, and 
you know, we'll, we'll pay you $25 a game. I go, okay, I'm in. And so I wasn't even thinking. But then <laughs> in the ensuing weeks before the costume was delivered, I started hearing around the office, you know, you know you'd bump into Tony Siegel and go, oh, this is a real bad idea. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You're, they're going to set you on fire. And then when the Phillies, uh, you know, when, when we lose, you'll really be in trouble. I mean, you know, it was just, and I'm start, and I'm a kid. So I'm all these executives are coming up to me, looking at me, go, and, and I see them in, the, you know, in the lunchroom. They're kind of looking at me and going, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> there's the idiot that said yes. <laughs> idiot and, who said yes. And, and I, so I did get nervous, but that was when, you know, I went to see uh, Mr. Giles, who really was my boss's boss at the time. And I said, look, and the costume was delivered on the first day. I was going to, and I was going to wear it. There were no plans. No one had said anything. And, uh, and that's why I was nervous. I'm going to make a mistake and, you know, I'll be, I'll be kite man you know, do. <laughs> and his only rules were have fun, but make sure it's PG rated. Well, that, he, no, he first said, go have fun. Then he saw me go running out of his office all excited. And he yelled at me, G rated fun. G rated. Cause he realized he told, you know, a college student to go have yes. a good time. And, <laughs> exactly. and I'm like, Oh, college student, have fun. Yeah, this is great. And, um, and he said, G rated fun. And really, um, I, I made a couple of mistakes. I mean, Tom has, has given the fanatic a couple of bad ideas here and there <laughs> in his, in his time as being the best friend. And, um, you know, but, Again, the Phillies, you know, don't toss you out when you make a mistake. They go, hey, it's a little mistake. Let's not do that again. <laughs> but it's still that thing like, okay, what do I do? Because remember, back then there were no mascots. We talk about the chicken was around because uh, he, he worked for a radio station, and that was kind of new. But he was all the way out in San Diego. Um, this type of uh, entertainment was completely new. So you probably were thinking, okay, I'm going to go out there. What, what do I do? What right. did you do? Well, it was funny because – when he said go have fun, I you know I thought of the Three Stooges, I thought of right. Foghorn Leghorn and the Warner Brothers cartoons and all the things that motivated me, made me laugh, slapstick humor. Um, I was big into music. Um, I think you and I really, you know, we we have this this mind meld between us. We're the same type of person. Big Phillies fan, uh, big Philadelphia fan. So uh, the first thing I thought about was, well, I I love the way Daffy Duck would come into a cartoon and he would physically in the cartoon bounce off the walls go bing 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 and then all of a sudden he'd stop and he'd be like sitting next to John he'd look at John and then he would grab him and and give him a big kiss and then he would go boom 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 and I thought okay I need to be frenetic and I'll go crazy for a while and then I'll get tired and I'll just sit down and and we had the picnic areas at the time so the, one of the first things I did was I went down uh, the 300 level walked across and then I jumped from one picnic table to the other with people's stuff on it and then <laughs> sodas are spilling and food's going and everyone's going oh my and then I r ran up like Velcro and jumped on the fence the chain link fence and grabbed onto it and stuck there and people are responding they're laughing and um, then during that same game I actually tried to kind of leap over one of the railings from the permanent stands to the aluminum stands and I fell but I mean I actually fell I tripped and you would have thought that uh, you know you named the comedian like George Carlin just gave the best one liner people just laugh and I'm going okay I got to fall down more <laughs> so so uh, it was really the spirit of slapstick added with the fact that I was a Phillies fan so I could relate to what I needed to do the Met fan hat you see it you grab it and you you know you throw it like a frisbee because I could do that and uh, then I would run and get the hat back and give it back to the Mets fan hat so it doesn't look too mean spirited and the fans just Whatever they supported, I kept doing. <laughs> Whatever the, when I thought I had a really great idea and went and did it and then got, you know, you know, like, no, what was that? Oh, okay, I won't do that anymore. So, and that was, I just followed along. And I think the beauty of not having any roadmap is what made it easier. All right, now, Dave, it was 1978. 
excuse me, and you are, it's a seasoned team, so you've got Mike Schmidt, Greg Lazinski, Larry Boa, you've got all these guys that have been together, you know, on the Phillies for a while, and now you have a mascot. What was your interaction with the with the players, especially some of those veterans? Well, you set the stage that, that, Tom, I think we can appreciate uh, as kids, we want to be a major league player. So I'm coming into my my home team and I get to actually interact on the field or I get to be there first. And um, when I recognize that the players actually uh, started to enjoy me being there and they would fool around with you, especially the, the visiting teams. But, the, but after April 25th, we played the Cubs, we won. And in the newspaper, Tim McCarver said, we're 1-0 with the Fanatic. And I was like, out of my mind, oh my gosh, they mentioned the Fanatic in the paper. I mean, just remember now, no one... Right. And he said, we're 1-0 with the Fanatic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Tim McCarver said something about the Fanatic. And that just got me started to go. So I was kind of playing this fantasy of like, I was one of the team. I was one of the players. So I just would walk out with them and anything I could think of that would just get, I wanted them just to look at me. I get them to wave at me or whatever. And then I realized that the visiting players, I could be a little bit more, you know, uh, I could I really parody, parody them more and have fun with making fun of them. And the players loved that and the fans loved it. So I really got more involved with uh, having the Fanatic be involved with the visiting players. But it was a, it was like every kid's dream to, um, you know, to be with these guys that were your heroes. Um, now you mentioned visiting team. Now, the Pirates were a big rival of the Phillies back then. You had Dave Parker, Willie Stargell. Didn't you have a special relationship with Dave Parker? Dave Parker was a great example of how fun it got to be to work with these players. He loved the fact that the fans booed him here. He was like um, Crosby. I'm sorry, I had to mention that. But he's like Crosby (laughs) where he'd get motivated by them booing him. So he came up to me once and said, look, when you're out there, I I love you. I love fooling around with you. But I'm going to be, whatever I do to you is going to be nasty. I'll push you down. I'll smack you in the nose. And I'm going to act like I'm mad. But just don't take it the wrong way. I, I want these, you know, he used a couple of superlatives and said, I want these guys to boo me. Uh, so we were out a couple of days later and he pushed me over, but he booed. He walked back to the dugout and as he's sitting back in the dugout where nobody can see me, I look in and he goes like this with the thumbs up, goes like, was that okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah, I'm going great. You know, keep it up. So that, when you, and not, a lot of, and I met many of these guys later um, and, uh, you know, as Dave Raymond, and it was fun to see how they respond when they figured out who I was. But for the most part, I was completely anonymous to these guys outside of the locker room. And, but they knew the fanatic. That yeah, was and you was. know what's cool about that, Dave? And you started it in that because you're playing with those opposing players, now you jump you know, ahead 15 years. A lot of these guys have become color analysts uh, for their broadcasts. And so when they come to town, it's like, oh, my gosh, I remember the Fanatic used to do this and used to do that. We used to have so much fun with the Fanatic. And then I think that kind of perpetuated uh, the whole reputation of the Fanatic, even nationally. It started to grow a little bit because of that relationship the Fanatic had with players. You know, it's, it's funny that you were saying that most of those people are dead now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going so, way back, Dave. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, um, you know, one of my fondest memories of you, you know, without dropping too many names. Um, uh, this show is all about dropping names. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, uh, Charles Barkley was good friends with uh, uh, Lancaster, the reliever from the Cubs, and um, Sutcliffe as well. So whenever they were in town, Charles would say, hey, 
uh, I'm going to have because they weren't allowed to be meeting in the stands, so they would come to the Fanatics locker room because it was totally under nobody's purview. And Charles would be sitting there with Sutcliffe or Lancaster and having conversations, and Charles would store a couple of beers in my refrigerator, and he would sit there, and I'd sit there and watch Charles Barkley have all these conversations with these guys and calling them knuckleheads. And he, and, um, he, he had a very famously made a bet with Lancaster going, I bet you I could hit the ball at a ballpark. And Lancaster said, I'll bet you $1,500 that you can't hit a ball out of the infield on me. Come to batting practice the next day. And uh, sure enough, he shows up. He never got a ball out of the infield. <laughs> and there he is, you know, a couple of Benjamins given to Lancaster. Uh, I mean, it, that that stuff was just – and I'm sure, and Tom, you've got uh, stories like that. That was what was so perfect about the job from the perspective of a Philadelphia fan. All right. Talk about opposing players. Now, obviously, opposing managers, you had Tommy Lasorda. There was a – I know for a fact because I went on a on – a, I think we honored Tommy Lasorda one night. And I had to take a round of radio stations, and I asked a seemingly a seemingly innocuous question of, "Hey, Tommy, do you uh, what do you really think of the fanatic?" And I saw his blood boil, and I got uh, the true taste that he really did not like the the um, the fanatic. But tell the point, there was a player on the Dodgers back then that was your cohort in crime. Yeah, well, he was their second baseman. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it because he told me if I ever told anybody, he would <laughs> I think kill he's me. Dead too, Dave. He was yeah. dead too. <laughs> and the statute limitations, I think, is about four okay. years. So Steve Sachs used to. Uh, it got to the point where Tommy would tell his clubhouse manager, "Don't ever give the jersey to me," and I still kept getting it. Well, then he would only take one jersey, one Lasorda jersey, to Philadelphia. Uh, and all those times before that, Steve Sachs would come in. It was like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like I'd, my door would open, and there, Steve's face would be squeezing. <laughs> he goes, here's his jersey. Don't you ever tell him I gave it to you, or I'm going to kill you. And he would stick the jersey in. Well, it got to the point where I went and spent 150 bucks back, back then 150 bucks because I got embroidered. I bought a, a, right. a, a, a real... Uh, Dodgers jersey, and I embroidered Lasorda on the back, and he almost killed the clubhouse manager in the dugout when I came out, because he, um, Yosh is, the, is his brother, worked for the Cubs, and Yosh's brother, I can't remember his name, was the clubhouse manager for the Dodgers, and Tommy is screaming, I'm like, where, how'd he get that jersey, and I'm out there with the dummy going, I bought it, that's <laughs> how I got, got it. your own. <laughs> well, and, We're and committed I know, to our craft. <laughs> you know, the Fanatics going to Japan uh, next week, uh, Dave, and uh, a lot of people don't know... The Fanatic was over in Japan even when you were the best friend, and you, your first run-in with Tommy Lasorda was in Japan, and you kind of got under his skin even in that first meeting with Tommy, well, he, right? He, actually, it started, um, Sutcliffe said, <laughs> out of 100% of people that, um, that, that are involved with Tommy Lasorda, um, 80% of them don't like him. The other 20% don't really know him. <laughs> <laughs> He, that sounds about right. He did, he did say that. Um, but, uh, you know, so when you meet Tommy, he's a wonderful ambassador. He knows how to treat you great. And that's – I was – the Fanatic was there, and um, I decided I wanted to sign the baseballs this as Philly Fanatic so everyone would know the Fanatic was in Japan during this this tour, and Tommy was the manager of the National League All-Star team. Well, what I didn't know is I was signing it in the sweet spot, which is where the manager is supposed to sign. <laughs> so he finds it out, finds out that I'm doing it, and he he sets up this coup where he hides with a couple with um, uh, Chuck Tanner, was a, was a coach on the bench coach on that team, and they hid in the locker room before I got there, and I start signing the balls, and, and Chuck and Tommy both come rushing out, and, and um, 
if you ever know what it's like to have Tommy Lasorda yell, he's right nose nose. What are you doing, you little bop it up it up? You can't sign there. That's where the manager signs. And I and I said, oh, I'm sorry. And and then they all start laughing. So and then <laughs> were, they, were you intimidated? Uh, at that I was point? scared to death. I really right. thought I was. You know, I'm just a kid. Right. I, um, and uh, so I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never do that again. He goes, No, 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 no. You are going to sign every single baseball that comes into these clubhouses for this entire month tour. And I would get ready. I'd be ready to go, to go back to the hotel room. And there'd be six dozen balls that were delivered because you know he did that. <laughs> right. And I'd go, he goes, where are you going? Get over and sit down. I have to sign those balls. <laughs> so that's the way it started. And, but he, he and I, we were friendly. Um, and then he, he loved the fact of the fans loving the fact that the fanatic was making fun of him. So when we came back, we I just started doing that here, and he played along for a, for a long while. I, I, he just he got tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> he got tired of it. Uh, Dave, great stuff. Let's uh, we're going to take a quick break, all right, and then uh, we're going to come back with Dave Raymond. It's time to celebrate moms at Mother's Appreciation Day. Brought to you by Hers, featuring a stylish Phillies pullover for women age 15 and over during the Mets series Sunday, May 13th at 1:35. Order at phillies.com. And we are back, Phillies backstage, with our special guest, Dave Raymond, as we prepare for another Philly Fanatic birthday. Great having you here, Dave. And we were also talking about, um, you know, obviously you started in 1978, and arguably that was maybe one of the best teams in that era. They looked at that 78 team as being uh, one of the best. The 80 team won, of course, but the 80 team won. And uh, how did the Fanatic kind of play in that year? Certainly there was a parade at the end of uh, that season that you were part of. But any other uh, memories from 1980 and that run? Well, my my most fond memory, as we've shared before, was the parade. As we've seen here in the city that, you know, how to throw a parade. And when I got out to... um, just beyond Aiken's Oval, where we were staging, because we were coming back down to get to JFK Stadium. We are coming down Broad Street the opposite way the Eagles did. And uh, Mr. Giles had rented all of these big flatbed trailers, and on the trailers were, um, you know, stands and seats for family, friends, etc. And when I got there, uh, Mr. Giles says, you're going to be up in the front with all the Phillies players and the wives. I said, Mr. Giles, I can't. The Fanatic has not had a bath in about three months, and he just smells horrible because you know we were busy during all that time and it it just smells terrible that no one's going to want to be in close quarters with me and uh i said what about one of these and there was a a flatbed with nothing on it two of them and he said well those are kind of the backup flatbeds in case something breaks down he said look we'll put one in the back and you can just stand on in the back and so i got this unbelievable view of the awake all by yourself yeah and I, you know, you, the movement, you know, Tom being the Fanatic's best friend, how cool it is to be able to have the Fanatic move around, right? So yeah, sure. I had the whole flatbed to have the Fanatic run around. And um, the favorite story that I, that I have that just shows the, you know, how passionate Philadelphia fans are. I saw this guy with his, who I assumed was his son on his shoulders, couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And he's bouncing around on his dad's shoulders because he's trying to keep up with the flatbed and there's all these people jostling around. And the kid is starting to cry. Even like his father's trying to get, I think he's getting his son up to get to the fanatic, and his kid is crying. And I, I'm coming to the end of the flatbed trying to somehow appease him. He's crying even louder. And then I see the father is trying to hand me something. He's got his hand up, hand, and there's something in his hand. So I go and I reach to get the card, and I see him get swallowed by the crowd. And I see the kid still crying, and all of a sudden he disappears. And I look at my hand. It's a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania uh, driver's license, and his name is David Raymond. 
and he wants me to know <laughs> that his name is David Raymond. So he sacrificed, you know, life, limb, and his son's wow. health. Just to, and and then so I had to give it to the Philadelphia cops and say, here, would you try to get this back, get this to, this guy? back to that guy? I have no idea. You thought you were signing baseball yeah, cards? Yeah, I'm like, what's he doing? And the, and so it just that kind of capsulizes just mm. the the craziness of that moment. How everybody wants to be a part of it. Everybody wants you to feel like. You know to know what type of fan they are. Um, so 1980 was was really all about that parade leading up to that. You know, actually, from the standpoint of the fanatics' ability to get around the stadium, I hated it. There were too many people. Right, sure. <laughs> I was mad because there were too many people in the stands. I, the fanatic couldn't move around. You know, so. was Dallas Green a big fan of the fanatic? Uh, <laughs> well, he. You know, my father actually right. helped Dallas right. get his first right. contract with the Phillies. He played baseball for my dad. And, you know, Dallas with his booming voice, like, before Dallas was there, I could sneak into the Phillies' dugout and take a quick break. And I, what I would get in during, during those years when Dallas was the manager, I'd just hear, hey, get out of here, right? He just scream it with that big deep voice, and I, I would like a little kid jump up and run because it was like Good my impression. Fa- by the way, it's like dude. my father yelling at me. <laughs> and by the way, for those that don't know, your dad, Tubby Raymond, was the longtime football coach at Delaware, and also, I guess, I'm learning right now, the baseball coach. Well, he was he came to Delaware in '55, a, a year before I was born, and was um, the head baseball coach and the backfield coach, and worked with the quarterbacks under David Nelson. And David Nelson had been knew about my father for years and he had basically said I'm going to bring you to Delaware at some point Um, I'm going to want you to you know the whole plan was that he was going to take over for him at some point so but my dad's first love was baseball and he still came with Dallas um, and in in the owner's box with Raymond the bartender and um, and they would come and and sit there my dad would complain about the catcher because my dad was a catcher for Michigan um, and uh, was captain on the team there, and, and uh, so he loved baseball. That was really it's funny that he's in the he's in the College Football Hall of Fame for coaching football, but it was a baseball guy. So we mentioned the 1980 team. Well, your last year as the best friend of the Fanatic was '93. So how about that? What was your relationship with the '93 team? Because uh, yeah. you obviously had a crazy uh, cast of characters right there, and it was the be- it was a- I think it was from my experience of, of relationships with the players was the best because now I was as o- I was older than most of them. You know, most of these guys were young kids, and I got to be really close friends with a number of them. I think Darren Dalton was certainly one of my better friends. He he came to my uh, my bachelor party in Wilmington, Delaware, which really increased the number of women that wanted to get into <laughs> yeah, that party. Yeah, sure it did. It was he was great. You know, hey, yeah, come on in. You can meet Darren. Everybody came in. Um, so uh, and and uh, and with Lenny Dykstra, um, I was actually very good friends with his wife. Um, and many of the wives, and, and Schmidt's wife still, you know, see Donna. It's so th- those relationships, but with that team was the closest I was. I hung out with the guys. I knew everything that they were doing, good or bad. Um, and and um, you know, Dave Hollins, and it, it just was one of the best group of teams. And and Mitchie Poo, and the, the, which is why it was the most devastating time I've ever had watching them lose that World Series. And um, I remember going to my son, who was he was sitting. We kind of stayed where we were in the house because things were going well. And so um, I wasn't with my son. He was he was in the bedroom on the on the on the bed, and I was out on the couch. And we were kind of yelling, and talking to each other. And so we lose. And then I come in, and the, like kids, I come in, and I'm ready to console him. He goes, he goes, Dad. I go, what? He goes, is that it? Uh, I, yeah, are we playing tomorrow? Uh, no. He goes, nope. okay, I'm going to bed. Uh, <laughs> okay. Why am well, I Dave, so the upset? Fanatic uh, performed in Toronto for game one, and uh, that was something. I remember uh, we 
we had the whole front office uh, chartered up there, and uh, we had a whole huge section of Phillies employees and families. And it was just so cool to see the fanatic come out onto the field. And honestly, it was a real dud of a pregame that they had. They didn't really have the timing right, um, where there were really there was long gaps to you know the entertainment before the game, and the crowd ate up the fanatic. Do you remember being out there pregame? I, I do, uh, but, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna give you the question the answer that you want because number one, I remembered learning that you had 72 brothers because you, well, I'm going to my brother. He, I only took all, one that Somebody day. walked in from the room. And, this is my another brother. So I remember you having fun in Toronto with your brother. Yes. That is where the reason why I got married to Sandy was because of Dan Patrick at the at the gala because I walked in and and we get in this conversation with Dan Patrick. I introduce him to Sandy and uh, he's asking questions about our relationship all of a sudden. And, and all of a sudden he goes, well, how come you guys aren't getting married? And I just see Sandy folding her arms over her chest, <laughs> just looking like, yeah. Some hey, friend you got there, Dave. Me. And, and I said, well, listen, you know, I, I went through a tough time in my first marriage and divorced and I've got a, a young son. And, and he goes, that's exactly my story. And he went on to say how he got divorced. Hmm. Wow. He had a son. And he said, I now I'm with my wife, and it's the greatest thing ever. And Sandy's just stood there tapping her foot with her, never said a word. <laughs> and it was that Christmas that we that I asked and her to get married. that's what you remember from pregame yeah, on the I'm field sorry. with the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> he's getting all emotional. <laughs> Tom, he's getting all emotional on just, Come on. <laughs> it, uh, this is why I said you're not going to like the this. fanatic mess with a cop. <laughs> I remember <laughs> you went into the crowd. I remember. You're up in the hotel room. <laughs> I remember how much fun that World Series was with our organization. We just had a blast, which is what, it's a shame the way it ended. But I, I almost think like if we had won that World mm. Series, that our memory would not you know, there's something special about that group that got all that never was expected to do anything, mm. got all the way up to the precipice of being world champions, and it, and they didn't do it. But it, it's almost the love of that team is is deepened by that, and it was the organization at the time and our friendship and being in Toronto. It was a, it was really awesome. Debbie Nacito and her. Crowd. Well, you were working the whole time. We were up there having a good time in the stands, just sweating <laughs> it out. I think you were envious that we were just kicking back and having that a good time. That is correct. Well, that and the correct. team that we played to get to the World Series was the Atlanta Braves. Oh boy! Now I know a lot of people remember. They had uh, the fanatic used to have fun with Jane Fonda in her workouts, and the the leotard right that she used to have. Fanatic still has that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure does. But uh, if you, I remember that I, I believe back in '93 we built those special um, commissioner's box. It was right behind home plate, and it was plexiglass, and it held about I think 20 seats with um, all the dignitaries, the commissioner, and Ted Turner sat there, and and Jane Fonda sat there. Didn't you have some run-in with uh, Jane Fonda? Well, she when I was younger and Barbarella was out, um, she was she was my special, my special. Image. She was the Farrah Fawcett of our right. general, Tom and I's. And as David Letterman Farrah. would like to say, it's time to have the, uh, parents put your kids in the back room. So, <laughs> uh, so, and I just and so now Jane Fond is here in Philadelphia, and in that those temporary stands had no serviceable bathroom other than the bathroom that was in our temporary office space which is where my dressing room was at the time and there was one bathroom there so um you know I, i'm so excited we're playing atlanta but i'm thinking oh my gosh ted turner and the and jane fine are going to be here and i that's why i did the routine the night before uh, we had a lot of fun with that to what, what was her reaction to that 
she smiled and Ted Turner gave thumbs up. Yeah. So I go, all right. And just so people know, you know, uh, she was the aerobics queen at the time. She had a bunch of videotapes out. And Dave and, uh, came to me like, I want to do this thing. Put the leotard on the Fanatic and go out and do an aerobic. Uh, you know, so, and I was playing the music at the time. So we queued up some music. But we also that Let's year, Get Physical by Olivia Newton-John, Let's right? Let's Get Physical. Uh, yes, it was Let's Get F- Physical. And, um, but also that year, it was Pump You Up, the 93 team. Danny Jackson was ripping right. off his shirt <laughs> everywhere every time he went, won a game. <laughs> so uh, we, we started the whole thing with with uh, Jackson ripping off his shirt and then right into uh, the Fanatic doing his pump you up and doing all the aerobics and falling, flopping on the ground. And, and I remember Jane, uh, you know, she was laughing, but you could tell she was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, she was, yeah. But but Ted was like eating it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So he was like, yeah, we're getting poking fun at, at Jane. So I'm in a, br- in a, in a break. Uh, Fanatic needed to get a drink of water. And so I'm sitting and taking a break and um, uh, the door opens up. And who walks in but Jane Fonda, and she's going to the bathroom. She has to walk right past my open door and go to where the bathroom is. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is my chance to meet Jane Fonda. So I follow her, and I'm standing in line, and I'm sweating. You know, I got all this stuff. And at one point, she looks over at me and kind of looks at me from my head to toe and goes, hello. And I went, hi, Jane, how are you? My name's David. Um, I'm, I'm the guy that makes the the fanatic work and she went oh well that's nice and then she turns around and person in the, in the bathroom in front of jane leaves and so she goes in and i'm thinking well now i can't just go walk back. can't leave it's gonna really right? now she's gonna Otherwise know i'm a creeper her. Right. i'm a creeper i was just standing and you couldn't follow her into yeah, the bathroom she, no that would <laughs> well <laughs> that would be more stalkerish <laughs> that's what I, those thoughts came much earlier <laughs> but so anyway so i'm waiting and she gets out of the bathroom and so of course again to go with the you know, with the the playing I'm going through in my head, I, I got to go in the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, shut the door. And I guess the best way to describe it in this forum is to say she should have lit like an entire pack of <laughs> oh matches. Oh, my goodness. Not just one match. So your, all of these thoughts from crush. my boy. Yes, it just went. <laughs> know, Tom, we, need that, we need that sound effect. As know. Tom and I would say, it, it smelled like a petting zoo on Low Tide <laughs> Island. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it was terrible because, you know, I shattered your illusions. I'm done. I mean, you know, some people had Cheryl Teague. Some people had... Uh, Christy Brinkley. <laughs> I had Jane Fonda, and now I don't. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, we're, and we're talking about the you know fifth inning routine. Like, you know, the Fanatic went out and made fun of Jane Fonda, and, and just the evolution of that. And we were talking a little bit at, at lunch, and, you know, we know the story, but just the evolution of how it came to pass where the Fanatic would actually go out on the field and try to come up with a skit or a routine. And uh, you remember how that all came about? It was yeah, really the first, it was like the first day, right? Unfortunately, you inherited all of that angst and anxiety, you know, <laughs> of having to come up with something yeah. new. It, yeah, the, the, it was really, again, Bill Giles, the, you know, the brilliance of Bill Giles and Frank Sullivan. And um, the very first game, Bill just said, go out with the ground crew when they would change the bases because at the vet we just had the aprons. It was all AstroTurf. And while I was out there, one of the ground crew tripped over me by accident. And that just turned into the fifth inning dance or the fifth inning routine, which goes on today. And I, and I love to tell people who were talking about how you use a mascot. I said, you know, if you go to the Phillies game today, so it's been 40 years, I'll be able to tell you pretty much where the Fanatic's going to come out and about when he'll come out, not what he'll do. So we've kept the same script of a, you know pregame and then around the second inning over on the uh, third base side and then the seventh up and around the seventh inning over on the uh, first base side and then you know got room to do some spontaneous stuff in between. So it's we've we've kept that same. That's what's so cool about it. And so today the we had so much fun. The ground crew got 
into it. So, you know, they would give me all the great ideas. I didn't have to come up with them. You know, they, they, were, uh, they were my muse. They were the fanatics. And who muse. knew everybody was watching the gong show back then? Uh, that played into it a little bit, well, right? Th- that was the first thing that we did that really got um, it, it, the, the crowd excited was we would, I would, the fanatic would come out from behind home plate and would, um, would fool around at one of the base pads and then the, the ground crew would come and gather behind home plate and Paul Richardson would play the gong show song which was Jump by the Woodside and it was Gene Gene the Dancing Machine and, and you pick whatever television show is a big hit today whether it's The, the Voice or American Idol or, or even Survivor that, the gong show and Chuck Barris that and a Philadelphia native by the way and that was it then so everybody knew Gene Gene the Dancing Machine so I asked Paul Richardson if he knew a, that song I said that song on the gong that song show and he goes oh that's, that's jumping at the woodside you know like like Paul would do and I go oh my gosh that's a real there's a real song yeah so he would play it and then we would all dance the fanatic in the middle of all the ground crew and they would have the lutes and the rakes and they would be going up in the air their both hands you know do to that music and we got a standing ovation and like that's what Mike uh, Froggy uh, uh, we finally for to Mark uh, Rafagno came in and said oh, they love us <laughs> we gotta keep doing that one See, and that's then, when the ground crew guys really got into it I tell you over the years they've become a little bit harder to they're uh, jaded convince. now they're very jaded they're that, jaded that first group well, of ground crew guys uh, who danced I need, to, I need to come back with a with a retro <laughs> seminar for the ground crew and for your benefit and the fanatic, I'm going to get re-engage them and say, "Listen, you got to come back." Well, and do I can this. tell you the problem. The problem is back then it was astroturf, so these guys were inspired watching oh, three sure. hours of Hogan's Heroes, F Troop, and <laughs> you know, and then they then they then they'd have idea, they'd have time to think. Right. There wasn't now as much work our guys actually have to work because there's grass and dirt <laughs> and everything. Astroturf, so, all you need is a vacuum cleaner and right. uh, you know, so two had, guys. Right. I kept telling them I didn't understand why they, they had jobs. <laughs> what do you guys do? That's right. It's AstroTurf. Uh, uh, well, it's, what's, uh, what's great is some of, some of these guys are still here. They are. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Dave, it's awesome having you here. We want to take a quick break, and then uh, we'll wrap it up uh, with the third segment. If you can hang out with us, I think uh, John's got some trivia for you. So, well, uh, I also, there's also you have to up my fee, though. <laughs> you said two segments. That's three. So I, I need, need John, to... write him a check. Well, there's also we want to hear about, because uh, I think there was an international uh, – uh, um, was it a fracas, a brouhaha, or something? Something had to do with the Kennedy family. Something with the Kennedys, Russian espionage, yeah, something Russia. going on. Russia's big in right. the news today. We'll, we'll get to that it's when topical. we come back. Sounds good. Toyota brings you the Reese Hoskins starting lineup collectible figure. Free to all kids 14 and under. Sunday, May 27th at 1.35 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Order tickets now at phillies.com. And we are back, Phillies backstage with Dave Raymond. And just before we went to the break, what were you saying, John? Something about well, the, the Kennedys. The fanatic and always Rus- finds Russian himself. Espionage. He's not just in the middle of the Philadelphia universe. He's in, in the middle of really the universe in general. In the sense that uh, there's a story, Dave. Right? That, that tell about how the fanatic uh, immersed himself into the Kennedy clan, and then immersed himself into a Russian controversy. I have to be careful with this because my father-in-law is a very, very conservative liberal. So he's going to hear I fool around with the Kennedys. He's going to think that I was, you know. Behind enemy lines. A conservative lines. liberal. I mean, yeah, no, no, excuse me. <laughs> I was going to say. I'm, I'm mixing in what yes. me and him together. He is a he is a conservative, conservative. Uh, you know, okay. Rush, Rush Limbaugh. Yes. Um, anyway, so uh, I had this opportunity to get involved in uh, the Arshrath uh, 
uh, tennis center to help them raise money, and Ethel Kennedy was in town, and she met the fanatic and fell in love with the fanatic. Of course. So she said, hey, I want you to come out to uh, Flushing Meadows for the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Tennis Tournament, which was held the week before the U.S. Open. Every celebrity in America would come. Um, I went in there, and I mean, that's that's where you, you name it: Chevy Chase, Cheryl Teagues, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Shriver, you know, all the Kennedys. Everybody was there. Um, you know, John, John, all there. Got a chance to interact with the fanatic, and um, she really loved the fanatic so much. She actually invited the fanatic to come to Hickory Hill, their private residence, for one of their family functions. Uh, the fanatic's room was Joseph Kennedy Jr.'s, so the um, Joe Kennedy, now his son. Her, his father was that was the room I trust in. So it was amazing. So I formed this relationship with her, and I sent her a note and thanked her uh, after the Hickory Hill thing. Well, she wrote me a letter back with a hugs and kisses and a signature at the bottom. But she said, "David, I hope you don't believe the rumors uh, that Alexander Goodenough's wife left the country because the fanatic wasn't invited to this event, whatever it was." Well, I was like amazed because this letter references this important part of history where Alexander Goodenough, the dancer, defected uh, to the United States and he brought his wife with him. And this was an international scandal and Russia was, you know, claiming all kinds of, um, you know, collusion was involved. And, uh, well, the his wife couldn't handle the heat and left the country during that time. So she references this. And so all I can think of is, oh, Alexander Goodenough was the bad guy in, in, in Die Hard. Die Hard, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody the sees long the, blonde the long blonde hair who, who he and, and Bruce Willis have that knockdown drag a fight where he eventually hangs him with a chain yes. uh, on the st- stairway, <laughs> you know, in, in Takamagi. What was it? A Hakamagi <laughs> Tower? Uh, yeah, that sounds uh, right. So what, it, sure. um, you don't get this info on other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I'm like... I I've got, and that is actually th- th- the end of the story is that's my prized mm. uh, piece of uh, memorabilia that I've saved is that letter signed with a picture of us at the Arthur Ashe Tennis Center. And the only thing that's embarrassing is I'm back in those days, you wore your tennis shorts very tight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to look at the, me in those tight you, shorts. Not the fanatic, right? No, uh, not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, the fanatic doesn't wear shorts or pants, so he doesn't have that problem. Uh, and, 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 and you met a lot of people. You went to, did you go, you went as Dave Raymond to the funeral. Right to, uh, or was it a funeral? Where did you meet? Uh, where was the event that you were mentioning? Oh, the, the, where all of those celebrities yes. were. That was that was the tennis. Oh, that's tennis yeah. event. Sorry, I thought I thought I mean, you were invited then to a funeral. No, okay. well, well, the fanatic has entertained a the few. The fanatic funerals, has so. been to a funeral, uh, including as as Tom as the best friend. The fanatic visited the Supreme Court justices' chambers oh during my, dinner. Yes, yeah, the Supreme it works Court everywhere. justices. Yeah, yeah, they love it. Sam Alito loves the fanatic, and uh, the fanatic got a chance to shine uh, Clarence Thomas's head. And he bowed. I was laughing the whole time. It I was, was just about to ask: Can the can the fanatic be irreverent in the Supreme Court chambers? But obviously, you just answered that question. Are yeah. you concerned about filling out your taxes after? The, <laughs> I know after that's that true. Year? I've been why? That's why I've been audited every it's year yeah, since very uh, sharp 19, pencil after that. 2009. Well, at least he didn't pants a mare, so you're good there. <laughs> <laughs> the fanatic did. That, oh wait! Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the fanatic pants the mayor. Okay. The, the Supreme Court justices, though. I mean, it have we was told really... you about the other fanatic's best friends? <laughs> no, right. Oh, we'll the be evil. getting we'll be getting to him. That might be a five hour podcast. Yeah, we have a long podcast coming up with and Matt Naylor. We have to clear that through legal. Oh, but the Supreme Court. It is amazing, Dave. You know, it's that appeal. You know, the fact that the fanatic could be invited to the Kennedy compound. Uh, the fact that you know the fanatic entertained in, in front of the nine Supreme Court justices. 
hostesses at a private dinner. I mean, it is pretty cool how far this character has taken uh, us, that's for sure. And I know we both yeah, feel you, the you same You never way. would have been invited. <laughs> I, uh, that's true. Yeah, there's no way I'm getting in. But, but for sure I wouldn't. But and the fanatic's been invited to five of the different seven, or five of the seven continents. Yeah, he's been, he's a it's world amazing. traveler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's but, a knockoff uh, African in Antarctica. But Dave, I know you're still having fun. That's the beauty of it all. What I know I get asked all the time. So wh- where's Dave? What's he up to? So uh, what's been going on with you now? Well, you know, Raymond Entertainment is a, is a character branding company. That, that That's my real job. Uh, but I've recently just, uh, matter of fact, on Thursday, I'm rolling out um, you know, in terminology a speaker's website. I've been doing so much speaking, and Tom, we've spoken together, and um, and, and really delivering this message of the power of fun, which we mentioned how amazing it is, how well the Fanatic works everywhere. Um, and it's a message that's really helped. Uh, my, uh, I'm going to be at TEDx Wilmington Age of Amazement on Saturday. Uh, there's 23 speakers, of which I'm one, and uh, I can't wait to do that. It's been So this idea of coming up and speaking is certainly something that I enjoy doing. Um, uh, Bill Jaws came up to me after my father's uh, uh, memorial service. And he hugged me, and we, were, you know, we were both starting to cry. And he said, "I thought I told you never to talk," <laughs> uh, referencing me being the fanatic. And um, we hugged, and then I, you know, I realized that, you know, this this desire to go out and speak and present this messaging is something that I think is part of who I am. And so that that is starting to really have some positive effects in my life and uh, with, with my family, and, and certainly um, in and around Philadelphia and speaking to corporate America, it's really been fun, and I'm I'm hoping to continue to do a lot of that. Awesome. Well, uh, we know you're great at it, and I, we're gonna. Uh, um, before we let you go, actually, John is chopping at the bit because it's another version of backstage. What is it? Backstage challenge? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> We've been all over the board maybe, on this one. Maybe he should well, introduce it. <laughs> it's another version of backstage challenge. Well, how, the, how this started, Dave, was that uh, <laughs> was that I asked, thanks to your help, I quizzed Tom Burgoyne on fanatic history. And then last week, we, uh, you quizzed me on one-hit wonders. So we're, we're, we, we don't have to have – it doesn't have to be your job. It has to be maybe something that uh, you know you have some, uh, for some reason, very odd expertise. knowledge, expertise about. And uh, it's sad that it, mine was one-hit wonders. But <laughs> yours, I found out, is old movie classics. Old okay? So, Love them. And I, before we start, John, I just want to say Dave's going to be playing for this lovely, beautiful Philly Fanatic oh, bucket, bucket hat that we are um, giving right. away. But Citizens you Bank's to, bucket hat. You have to get four of five of four or five questions right to in order hat. to walk away with that. Did you get four hat. out of five? I got four out of five. He yes, did. I did. did. Yes, he did. Yeah, all right, okay. Uh, but that'll be given away to all kids fourteen under this Sunday on the Fanatics' birthday. Thanks to the good folks at Citizens Bank. Looks it awesome. is a lovely green bucket hat with the Fanatic on the front. It'll be a big hit. And uh, Dave, are you ready to play? Now this is again, no. this is again, <laughs> classic movies. So I've picked five classic movies, and I gave you average. You know, I didn't give you tough. These are these are average. They're not easy. They're not they're not tough. Okay. Okay. So you have to get four or five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind, obviously a, a major blockbuster uh, back in the day. Uh, what were the names of Scarlett's two younger sisters? Ah. Now I'm going to give you tri- I'm going to give you A, B, C, and D. Okay. Okay. You have A, Belle and Mandy, B, Sue Ellen and Corrine, C, Melanie and Indy, D, Sue and Carrie. So again, A, Belle and Mandy, B, Sue Ellen and Corrine, C, Melanie and India, and D, Sue and Carrie. Uh, I have no idea for this answer. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be what was the what line that Red Butler said to <laughs> Scarlett, and, and that you would did be at your easy. SAT t- uh, questions that you didn't know, I know any I, of those okay, answers. Okay, so either. I'm working through this. I, I, yeah. I'm going to say 
C because right. indie sounds like that would right. be something that they All would right. write. Gonna you're you're going to have to go uh, four for four <laughs> going forward because it was Sue Ellen and Kareen. Uh, right. Kareen ended First up of all, that's not an average trivia question. In the book, Kareen ended up becoming a that's nun. Hard. I could have given you that part. All right, how about this one? It, this is in Ben-Hur, another, another legendary movie, right? It is one of my favorites. Charlton, Charlton Heston. Which of these historical figures did not appear in the film? Okay, was it Balthazar, Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, or Julius Caesar? Oh, uh, A. Uh, D is correct, Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh, did not <laughs> appear. Not, well, Caesar appears. It wasn't Julius because that wouldn't have been the, the right time because it was around, it was with Christ's crucifixion. So, we'll, 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 Are yes, we sure it, it's not Julius Julius, that wasn't hey, Julius he's Caesar. He's the research, and, so, the research we'll, we'll, guy. We'll, we'll, we'll let you pass on that one. All right. All right. Casablanca, another absolutely uh, old-time movie. Who said, play it again, Sam? Was it A, Ilsa, B, Rick, C, Victor, D, no one? It was the piano player, so it was Sam. Yeah, and who said, no, 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 play who it, said, again, play it again, Sam? Was I it mean, Ilsa, I mean, uh, Rick, Victor, or no one? Oh, who said it? Yeah, oh, who said it? Well, Humphrey Bogart did Rick. Well, <laughs> I don't. I suck at the this game. The line was but never uttered in the movie. Rick said, "You played it for her. You can play right. it for me." Sam okay. said, "But I don't think I can remember." Rick right, said, so look, dude, "If she can stand it, I can play it." All right. Well, this is a trick question. I'm keeping this bucket hat. Oh, I was just going to say, right, no, right hand now. that over. If you right get now. one of these next two questions, we'll keep the bar low. Ready? All right. In Vertigo. Hey, how about how about that? Alfred Vertigo. Yes. In what city does most of the action take place? A, San Francisco, B, San Diego, C, San Juan Batista, or D, Sacramento? Okay. <laughs> it's either A or B. Give me A or B again. Uh, San Francisco or San Diego? Well, there's a mission in it where they end up going to a bell tower, and I'm, I'm thinking that might be in San Diego. Well, uh, but I'm, I'm going to say San Francisco. There's probably missions in San Francisco I'm going to well. say San Francisco. San Francisco gonna, is right. Yeah. Is right. You got it. Time. All right. Now, if you get this By one. By the way, I hate this game. <laughs> you, should, you should get this one. You should get this one because it's a wonderful life. How many times have you seen it? About seven million. Right. And I still cry at the end of it. So. Yes. You'll get this one. I know you will because I saved the be- easiest for last. What was George's policeman friend's name? <laughs> was it A, Bart, B, Ben, C, Brad, D, Bert? Oh, I, it's it's D. Bert. D. Bert, right? He says, "Get out of here, Bert! Yeah, I'll hit Bert. you again. Nice. I'll, yeah, I'll punch you Bert. again." That's Do you right. know Bert. me, Bert? Uh, but, Do you Bert, know yeah, me? No, but, uh, and and uh, I almost said Bart. <laughs> so you, all right, because you're thinking San Francisco. I am the next producer to come up with the, his Thank next. You. I know. Okay, John's very proud of the backstage challenge, but it's it's been a flop. He promised me that these questions <laughs> would be easy. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we should have bad jokes instead of trivia. I like the concept, but the guest is supposed to be front-loaded with some answers. Yeah, really. Okay. Help you out a little bit. What is Dave Raymond's middle name? If you get that one, then you, then you win. Grant. There, there is it really Grant? Grant? How there about that? Look at that. More royalty. Drunken. Dave, this has been great time. You know, and by the way, this is kind of how I envision uh, re- my retirement years. Like all, all the ma- old mascots in a home just babbling old stories, you know, babbling away, you know. Uh, Maybe I should give him one more in the honor of Cliff Clavin. Who has not been in your kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
Well, I do know that's from Cheers. So uh, there it is. I got that. The bucket hat's yours, Dave. Yeah. Bucket hat's yours. <laughs> You're going to have it. I Dave, try. we're going to wrap things up here. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, it's really been special, especially on the day that the Fanatic was introduced to the Philadelphia fans. So uh, great having you. I love being here. Thanks, and, Dave. Uh, thank you, guys. All right. We're going to wrap things up, and uh, we'll be back next week with another version of Philly's Backstage. And until then, we'll see you at the ballpark. <laughs>